0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast and Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, Alabama found their guy, and you're a little bit sad about it. I can only imagine uh, with the ripple effect that went through college football as a result of them selecting Washington's Kalen DeBoer. Number one, good for him. Um, number two, he maximizes every bit of his hot name right now, and and I think that's the most important thing given the fact that I don't think it will be anywhere close to what this is down the road but it did cause a lot of changes throughout college football as it relates to coaching changes
1: yeah and you said he maximized on his name right now was he was he a good OC at Indiana yeah was he a good head coach at Washington also yeah but he was going into a transition year he was losing his 6 year starter, starting quarterback to the NFL. Um, a lot of the team was leaving to go to the NFL, especially a lot of key pieces on defense. his um, Star wide receivers. I think Oduze is out of eligibility, if I'm not mistaken. So a lot of moving parts going into a brand new conference. Big 10 actually plays defense. Pac-12 didn't. And they were going to be moving into that conference. And all of a sudden, whammo kablammo, Nick Saban retires, probably because he's tired of NIL and the landslide that is college football in today's day and age. And Alabama said, hey buddy, want to come be our head coach? And he said, absolutely. And Alabama's got the deep pockets. They paid, I think he had a $12 million buyout, paid it, paid that to Washington, signed to a nice little deal down there in Tuscaloosa. And off and running the dominoes fall, Jed Fish um is now the head coach at Washington, which that's what you were alluding to is me being sad about is I don't know where my allegiance is going to fall. Um, I think I texted you that uh, my allegiance will fall wherever Noah Fafita goes. If he stays in Arizona, and it sounds like there's a chance that he does, uh, you know, I'm probably still going to be an Arizona fan out west. And uh, if Noah Fafita transfers up to Washington, and I, I might have to, I might have a second team I uh, actually care about in the Big Ten, which could be a little bit of a conflict of interest. But Penn State does play Washington. So yeah, you know, I might be able to go might be able to go see that game. Go see my boy play.
0: That's right. DeVore, listen, he was he wasn't going to be as hot as he was this year. He was in a national championship game. Granted, they lost to Michigan. We'll talk about their head coach here in a couple. But he had Michael Penix Jr., he had all of the studs for Washington. They were not going to be the same team next year. I don't think and that's not anything disrespectful to him that's just kind of the nature of the business things were going to happen but he inherits a, a well-oiled machine to say the least I think that might be understating it a little bit but he has big shoes to fill he is following the biggest and best coach of all time in college football yeah Is he number one and wins no that's Joe Paterno but I do think that his his sustained success puts him at that upper echelon of being the best of all time as a college football coach. Things we talked about it last week. Things could have been much different had he stayed in the NFL, but he comes to Alabama and restores Alabama and the Crimson tide to the national success uh and national title winner that they were that they once were under Bear Bryant. So you know you have that um and for, for Kinlin De Boer, I mean that's a that's a great setup. I mean Saban's not going anywhere. What better mind to pick than Nick Saban? And I think that's one of, the, that's one of the, the bright spots of that. Obviously, Jimmy Sexton is their agent. Kudos to him for making a ton of money last week, giving the extensions, giving this up, this, this raise. But the biggest thing now is he's got to go get his staff, and he's got to go get who he wants to come to Alabama. And now that's, I think, uh, big shoes to fill. And Jed Fish is in the same boat. Now he's at Washington. Washington is going to be a completely different team that we'll see at Beaver Stadium this year. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that goes. Um, and, and, of course, that right now that means two out of the four playoff teams have new coaches. And I think that's crazy. And it could be up to three, depending on what what old Jimmy Harbaugh decides to do here in the next few days.
1: Yeah, and if you're Kalen DeBoer, the hardest part is going to be is sustaining the success of Alabama and dealing with the pressure that's associated with Alabama. Does Washington have success in college football? Yeah. They they splash every few years. Penn State played them in the Fiesta Bowl, I believe it was, um, a few years back. Was it Fiesta Bowl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fiesta
0: Bowl um, Penn State.
1: You know they they splash they made the new year six there they kind of go back in ambiguity Deboer comes in with Penix they get back into prominence last year they make the national title game this year it's it's all going right but Washington they they don't have that rich tradition he wasn't following Nick Saban at Washington he's following Nick Saban at Alabama and the boosters and the fans and everybody around that program down there have the expectation of Nick Saban won six national titles in 19 years in college football and however many of those were at Alabama. It was 19 at Alabama um, or 18, whatever it was. He was winning a national championship every three years. Every person who walked through that door for four years, like we mentioned last week, won a national title. That's the expectation in Alabama. Can you keep that rolling? Alabama probably doesn't have the biggest NIL collective, it sounds like, and it's probably played a factor into why Nick Saban is leaving. Um, He no longer had the most money to slide into kids' pockets. Texas A&M had that, and a bunch of other schools, USC, Ohio State. Everybody started paying players a lot of money, and the landslide was no longer in Alabama's favor. The the playing field was level, and Alabama was starting to lose some traction, so Nick Saban said, I'm out. But Kalen DeBoer is going to come in with those same expectations because – Alabama made the playoff this year and it's going to be expected that they're a top four seed next year. It's, it's not make the playoff as Alabama. It's, it's be a top four seed when the conference go undefeated. That's the expectation. It's, I, that might be the hardest job in coaching next year. I mean, he's got a great roster. We'll see how much of it stays intact. I think for the most part, it is staying intact. I haven't seen too many transfers leaving Alabama after Saban left. And I think that plays in part because Saban is still around the program, but Man, I do not envy his position.
0: No, the level of the, the level of pressure just went from absolute. I think probably less than 20% to 120% rather quickly. And that's that's the nature of the beast. And that's why replacing Saban is is the hardest job. Now, if he was maybe four or five years from now, if this if the guy between Saban, if he was the guy after the guy after Sabin, it's a little bit different. There's far less pressure, but the expectation for Alabama is to be in the playoff and be the four seed and be the sec championship and champion every year. And he's got to be able to maintain that level of success and not fall off. And he's following a legend that is far from easy. Uh, It's it's not something that's going to be a, a, an easy task for him regardless of how good of a coach he is. It's winning is the easy part. It's maintaining that success and maintaining that winning, that is ultimately the hardest, it'll be interesting to see how that works and how he goes about his business. Um, He's walking into a a tailor-made situation, but at at the same time, knowing that he's replacing the the greatest of all time. And that's tough. The good news is for Nick Saban, he left on his own terms. Coaches don't always get to do that. And I think that's the best part about it. But we're going to talk a little bit more about our old friend Jim when we come back uh, for the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the Lashing Out Podcast, Nifty Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin, our old friend Jim in Ann Arbor is is dealing with a lot of things right now. Obviously, they're the national champions for the Michigan Wolverines, and that's great. Yes, we are well aware that this is a Penn State uh, podcast, but we will talk about Penn State here in a few minutes because Penn State did make a hire. But Jim Harbaugh is still making a decision. He interviewed with the L.A. Chargers, which is great. He was a former San Diego Charger during his um, playing career. And, you know, he was also Screech's cousin um, on Saved by the Bell, for those of you born in the 90s and raised on that. But what's what's interesting here is that he has a multitude of options, and as he should, Jim Harbaugh is a very, very good football coach. He is 100% weird as hell. And I don't think that there's any denying that he is quirky. He is weird. He is bizarre. But at the end of the day, he's a hell of a football coach and the success, regardless of knowing what was coming at Michigan is, you know, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, this is also a guy that won football games, in the NFL, with Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick hasn't been in the NFL since Jim Harbaugh left. Right. So there's that as well. But Harbaugh, has the NFL as an option and, and he's going through some stuff with Michigan and talking about an extension. There was an extension on the table for Harbaugh. A noted Michigan man leads a team to undefeated season. But there wasn't there was a a contract extension on the table prior to all the Connor Stallion stuff. And if you have an opportunity, you can ask Connor Stallions to appear on Cameo for $70. I did just see that before we went live on air. So, Kevin, prepare yourself. That might be a Christmas present for you down the road. Um, Wishing Arizona's biggest fan. um, A sign stealing. Good time. But it's it's not that he's getting an extension. They kind of took it off the table. He's in line for it still. But it's the wording of the extension that is the most bizarre part of it. And, Kevin, you were so kind to let me know about that um, after I had read some things, but go ahead and tell our fantastic listeners some of the language that he wants in this contract. I
1: got, I got to tell you, uh, this came from Dan Wetzel of Yahoo sports. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday night. It'll be out on Thursday. So things could happen between now and then. So just a disclaimer, as we're talking about this, but, um, the most innocent man in Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, one who was martyred, uh, on the first drive of Michigan season, is seeking a clause in which would grant him immunity from the current ongoing NCAA investigations into recruiting violations and sign stealing. And um, if I'm an innocent man, I am certainly looking for immunity from those things. Um, I think it's probably critical to him. Staying at Michigan is uh, him getting that clause. The contract is to be uh, six years and an 11.5 million and making the highest paid coach in college football, I mean, massive amounts of money. But you know damn well he is not staying for that money if they don't grant him that clause. And if you're Michigan, I don't think you can give him that clause because that tells the NCAA we think that he probably did something wrong and it's admitting guilt. It's not, it's not saying, hey, we did it. But, man, is that damning to grant your head coach. I don't care if he's won your program a national title. I don't care if he was an alum there. I, I don't see how Michigan can grant that contract and not just like have 50 NCAA staffers on their my, doorstep next week, next week, or my, excuse my, me, the next morning.
0: My absolute favorite is that he, it, he wants, he can't be fired for just cause. It's got to be performance related. That is absolutely incredible. And not just like, their, their AD firing him. No, it's a panel of three people firing him. And it can't be for just cause. And it can't be for that. And that is absolutely incredible. I think he goes to the NFL. He's proved all he wants to prove in the NCAA. He went undefeated and won at Michigan. And honestly, he's hot. He's, he's, he's smoking hot as far as his name, both good and bad. Ride right into the NFL and change the situation. If he goes to L.A., that's a great setup. Uh, Justin Herbert, I think, is a, is a very, very good quarterback. Um, maybe he ends up in Dallas, and then I'm very, very, very twisted as far as what I want to do with my life after that disappointment on Saturday, which I called. I'm sorry, Sunday. So that was awesome. Um, great times. They did call a hold on Micah Parsons. Crazy, but true. Um, but enough about that misery. But, yeah, for Harbaugh, it'll be interesting to see where he winds up. I do think he ends up in the NFL. I'm hopeful he ends up in the NFL. Um, he, The dude can coach. Um, and he's one of the only player or the only coaches that are speaking out in favor of paying the players more, which I think there's value in that. I mean, that's, I mean, the coaches and players don't bash him. I mean, Sharon Moore, I, I honestly thought Harbaugh died midseason um, with the way that they played for for him. But this is a guy that – also has proven that he doesn't need to be on the sidelines to win at Michigan, even if he is just kind of observing from the hotel room um, down on South Atherton. But again, you know, that's kind of the, that's the craziness of this, this part of the season. And the NFL hiring cycle is, is, is well on its way. Um, We got Bill Belichick available, which is absurd. Um, God knows what Jerry Jones is going to do in Dallas. Belichick interviewed for the Falcons job, which I think is hilarious. Um, because think about this: if you're if you're in the job interview, if they talk about a time where your team has ever faced adversity and what you did. Well, twenty-eight to three is a very big piece of adversity. Ask the Falcons about that. But again, this and this is kind of the nature of the beast now for for college football. And it's we could live in a world where there are at least three football coaches from the playoffs that are in different spots, and that is in pure insanity. But it speaks volumes when you have guys like Nick Saban, guys like Chip Kelly, guys like Gino Auriemma on the, on the women's side of sports, uh, and James Franklin and Lane Kiffin all going against and, and, and speaking out against the schedule, and speaking out against what's going on for them. Because I think Saban had his best season as a coach this year. He did an incredible coaching job with Jalen Milrow. They got to the playoff. They got to the. They easily could have been the national championship game had they made one or two blocks in the final play against Michigan. But at the same time, when when guys like that are saying enough's enough, then then maybe you should take a look in the mirror and, and figure out how, a way how to fix this.
1: Yeah, I, I like where you think. I like Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers. The guy can recruit a defense. Michigan had the best defense in the country this year. Excuse me. Uh, that's the only thing the Chargers need. Yeah, is building a roster in college a lot different than building a roster in the NFL? Certainly. But what do you need to win in the NFL? A quarterback. Yeah. And the Chargers have it. He can develop them. If if Herbert has any sort of miscomings or shortcomings, rather, that uh, needs addressed, Jim Jim Harbaugh knows how to fix it. Look what he did to J.J. McCarthy. He won games with J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy can't throw the ball. They won a yeah. national title ball with a quarterback who can't throw the ball.
0: He definitely didn't throw very well against Penn state and down the stretch of the season. So, I mean, that, you're, you're absolutely
1: right. So I think it's a good spot for him. And yeah, I, the fact that he's willing to take on the issues head on and doesn't really complain. He's had a lot of other things to be, and just been a little bit more distracted with other things that he's complained about this year. And, you know, the self-inflicted yeah. adversity, he hasn't had time to complain about the schedule and whatnot, because, Quite frankly, he doesn't abide by the schedule. He buys recruits trees, burgers all the time, and no matter if it's permitted or not. So, you know, it's it's probably time for him to go to the NFL. He's done a lot of good for college football. He's done a lot of good for Michigan. And honestly, if he leaves Michigan, he should go get a deal with whoever manufactures, like, the in-helmet comm systems and start selling them to the NCAA. Like, just get a mega endorsement Coach deal. Tom, that
0: would be incredible.
1: Just on commercials, trying to sell every program in the nation on it, and just rubbing Perhaps it. Perhaps a
0: billboard company would be in his um, yeah. in his future. Just um, stick but it if to he... the
1: NCAA and just.
0: Oh, and I think I think that's that's the point he's trying to make. He's trying to stick it to them. Um, and it, and in Gino Auriemma said something, uh on Tuesday that or Monday I should say that I thought was very poignant. And we talk about this all the time because this is, this is college football. This is what there is to talk about. The portal was a disaster because now, and the Alabama kids can, they're less than 30 days now, but once they've been left, they can enter the portal for 30 days. Same thing with kids at Washington and same things with kids now at Arizona. And even down the line, at San Jose state, uh, which is where Arizona's replacement for jet fish came from. But, it's not about the money. The money is the money, right? It, it, it's the fact that these guys aren't taking or aren't able to, to, to be held accountable. They don't respect the coaches or their programs anymore. And they're gone after a year or two years or whatever. And clearly, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Every, tr- every transfer situation is, is very, very different. But at the same time, like, like I said, the grass isn't always greener. But there's just so much that goes into this now that is certifiably insane. And I think that's the that's the issue. That's why Saban is retiring. That's why you're seeing like guys like Gino RM. Gino Ariama is the greatest coach in college, one of the greatest coaches in college basketball, definitely in, on the women's side. But he's up there in top three in, in all of college basketball. And he's and he's not in a situation that is bad at all. Like UConn is the, the premier basketball program. Like if, if I was a girls' basketball player and, and they called me to play at UConn, I would have been there yesterday. Of course, that does not work. This is not you want a man, whatever. But but when coaches like that, you're you're hurting those middle tier schools at like the like the Robert Morris's, the St. Francis's of the world, the you know, the Daytons, those mid major schools, they don't have that luxury of saying, Hey, we have a million dollars, can you stay? It's, hey, I'm going to go get mine. And yeah, deservedly so, but, but the system it needs fixed, both on the coaching aspect of it, schedule aspect of it, and just in general. Because now you're, you're recruiting your team twice, or not even twice. There's certain guys you're recruiting three or four times to come back. And, and Penn State is very fortunate. The only thing that they've had and they've dealt with right recently are coaching departures. The, the big names that they've lost, Noah Cain and Kevon Lee, okay, I get that. Now you have Keitron Allen and Nick Singleton. But well, we're going to talk a little bit more in the third segment about the most recent coaching hire, the Penn State Nittany Lions, after this break on the Nittany Sports Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Nittany Sports Down Network. I'm Jared. He's Kevin. Kevin, Penn State lost special teams coordinator and, and linebackers coach Stacey Collins to Boise State. Boise State is where he was from. That's where he was born, or not necessarily born and raised, but that's where he came from to get to Penn State. Um, I think I don't think it's a, a situation that he can passed up. Um, I don't know a lot of details about the situation, but I would imagine. You want to go with a place that you're comfortable. Not saying that he wasn't here, but he gets an opportunity to go back to a place he's comfortable um, and has a little bit more power there. um, I think, which is which is ultimately uh, the most important thing. Um, It is kind of weird timing-wise as well after Tom Allen is here. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, how Tom Allen handles his responsibilities as defensive coordinator. Um, Typically, they've been linebackers coaches. um, The coordinators have been. So it'll be interesting to see, but. But sources have reported that Penn State football is to hire Vanderbilt's Justin Lustig as the special teams record uh, special teams coordinator. Now, the caveat to that is he is also the tight ends coach um, at Vanderbilt. So there's that as well. Um, I'm very interested to see what, what other position he would probably coach. But anything is possible, and I'm sure James Franklin has an idea of how he would like to set this up so that he can maximize all of their coaches. Because if you remember correctly – Currently, he does not have a, a quarterback's coach.
1: Yes. Justin Lustig. Well, first of all, good good luck to Stacey Collins. Yes, he did come from Boise State. He is also from Oregon. Um, so going back to Boise State puts him back in the right quadrant of the country where he's from. It's probably he's probably still has family in Oregon. He's you know, a lot of his roots are over there. So
0: Kevin is Kevin's Kevin's Arizona is my Boise State. I love Boise State. I actually have a piece of Smurf Turf at my mom's house. I'm waiting to put that down uh, as soon as I get my new office here set up at my house, but Boise States, my, my, my guys, Kellen Moore is my dude.
1: Yeah. So, you know, props to Stacy Collins is it late in the game yet, yeah, but anytime a guy's making a move, probably for family reasons to be closer to family, you, you can't fault the guys. So Stacy, good luck to you, but yes, Justin Lustig, an Erie PA native. So he's coming back home, coming from Vanderbilt where he was an associate head coach Uh, He was also an assistant head coach during his time at Syracuse, in which he also coached uh, uh, wide receivers, I believe. Um, Syracuse had a really good special teams unit. I think they led the league, led the nation in um, average punt return yards for a season, given up. Um, Was a Broyles Award nominee as the nation's top assistant coach while at Syracuse. Not sure why he left Syracuse to go to Vanderbilt. The circumstances around that, who knows? but I, I think it's a home run hire. If you're bringing in a third coach who can be an associate head coach, right? You have Poindexter, who's an assistant head coach. J. Wan Sider's an assistant head coach. And now you have Lustig, who's going to be assistant head coach. Or pretend, he's going to be a special teams corner, but he has had the assistant head coach position. You have a lot of leadership. You have a lot of great minds and a lot of guys who know how to run the roster. Does that lead to conflicts on roster management? I don't think so. I think James Franklin does a really good job of playing CEO, but as an associate head coach, as a high level coordinator, and as a guy who's held many position coaches, it shows that he knows how to develop talent. He's a proven winner and special teams. isn't, isn't really a factor of the game that people think about a lot, but it's a, it's a factor of the game that wins games. I mean, the last time Penn state beat Ohio state was on a special teams play. So, they also had the nation's best punter in Barney Amore a couple years ago.
0: And, you know, and Jordan Stout, who's in the league. Yeah. Sam Ficken played well at times for James Franklin. So special teams is not talked about unless it's absolutely awful or absolutely incredible. There's no middle ground there uh, as far as that is concerned. But the biggest thing here is, is you mentioned it, he's a CEO type, excuse me, type guy. He doesn't want to handle all that. He wants three separate head coaches for each level, offense, defense, and special teams. So that is what he's got, and that's what he's going to get, and that's essentially is the plan. So it'll be interesting to see where Danny O'Brien fits in with all this. He's still, I I believe, a GA. Um, I'm not sure where he's at in his course load. I can only imagine where he's at, given that I'm going through my master's right now, and he has a little bit we probably have about the same amount of time in our schedule available and it's not fun. Um, But uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that goes, but it's, it's, this is a very rare situation where he's has to replace all three coordinators in the same off season. Is there, I I guess, is there something negative to look at there? Maybe, but I think, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, he fired Dursic first time he ever did that mid season uh, Manny Diaz takes a job at, at Duke. Can't really help that. And then obviously, you know, now Stacey Collins takes a job back at Boise State. So you can see the people talking about this being an excuse, um, but I really don't see this as, as being something that is going to, to be a big factor down the road. Um, I, I think we're going to see a little bit more minimally special teams, it would be very minimal as far as the difference that this makes down the line.
1: Yeah, I think so. A lot of the specialists are coming back. Uh, you do have one transfer kicker. still haven't learned his name coming in from Tulsa, um, but it's a, it's a large challenge and I don't think that we can undersell it enough that replacing three coordinators in the same off season within a month of each other is, is a monumental task. Um, junior days coming up on Saturday. So, he has all of his coaches in order. I think they, I think there's potentially one more change as an offensive on an offensive analyst. Um Du Bois is leaving and a gentleman from ODU who was under Ronnie staff, coaching wide receivers is coming back as an offensive analyst. Yes. So I thought Dupuy Dupuis was leaving. Oh no, um, Dupuis coming D- D- Dupuis coming back. Yes. Um somebody is leaving. Uh forgot his name too. I'm terrible at this. Um but all the coaches are set junior days coming up it's probably the most important recruiting day that the coaching staff has right mm-hmm. you can build immense amount of immense amount of relationships you get all of the talent on the field you can start evaluating players across players because quite frankly when these players are when these kids are playing in high school you don't know what the other talent is on the field right this is how you find Ethan Grunkemeyer, who is a three-star quarterback, who ends up as a five-star quarterback, because he just wasn't playing with the talent around it, or no one respected the talent that was around him. So junior day is very important. So you have all of your coaches in line, all of your coaches could get on the same page and can look at the same talent at the same time, live and in person. its I don't know if I can express that any better, that like, that's the most important day, and Penn State now has all their ducks in a row, and they're ready to go.
0: Yeah, and, and it's important to note we're recording this on Tuesday because of some scheduling things. So, this comes out Thursday morning. Penn State has not verified this or confirmed this hiring. This is pure speculation, but all things are signing or, or all signs point to this happening. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's important for that um, to develop those relationships. Um, he inherits a good situation. Riley Thompson comes back, which is going to be good for them. But the biggest thing for James Franklin is now you got to turn this into success on the field. Um, you got Cotto, Nicky, you've got Tom Allen. You've got, you got some horses there with those guys. Um, They're doing it for the right reasons. You know, Tom Allen doesn't have any interest in being a head coach again, right away. Cotto um, Nicky hasn't been a head coach, but I'm sure he probably could be down the road, but you've got to maximize it and, and you've got some talent coming back. It was also the last day that underclassmen could declare for the draft. So I would expect that Gounder-Lambert-Smith uh, is going to be back in some capacity for the Nittany Lions. But again, Penn State has a perfect opportunity to, to really get some things going uh, and continue their recruiting momentum and and, and really start to, to hammer down. Because you mentioned that communication and knowing who you're going up against. When recruiting, word of mouth it matters. Word of mouth spreads fast. Um, and and the classes that have had some of the most success for Penn State have been those classes that have self-recruited hey we want to come in and and do some special things and and if they're capable of doing that and if they're willing to do that and this could be a really good situation for Penn State in in advance of junior day
1: yeah and next year next year looks like a no excuses year right you you've you fired Yursich in the middle of the season this year you kind of get out of that like we're identifying that as the problem. When you identify a problem, you must find the solution. If and they're saying Kodelnicki is the solution. Manny Diaz leaves on his own accord. Stacy Collins leaves on his own accord. Offense was the problem this year. Ohio State's bringing in Will Howard, who is a very experienced quarterback. That team is that's a team who could probably make a jump because no offense to Kyle McCord, he wasn't he wasn't up to the standard of recent Ohio State quarterbacks. Penn State has to play Ohio State this year. They have Washington, who's probably a program that's going to be reeling. USC looked really good in their bowl game um, with their backup quarterback, who's going to assume the starting role because Caleb Williams is going to the draft. This this is, season coming up could be difficult for Penn State, but it is going to be a no excuses year. So but, we'll, see, we'll the, see how it goes.
0: You mentioned Ohio State. Ohio State's offense was, Saint, was Penn State's um, offense, but they had Marvin Harrison. And I think that... And I think that's what makes Penn State so frustrating. Is they were right there defensively; they were right there in every game, and that defense kept them in it. And the offense just didn't hold up there under the bargain. Um, typically, it's the offense that does their job, and defense is unfortunate late um, or blows it late. But but yeah, for Penn State now, you got to you got to put up or shut up. Thirteen team playoff, or four, I'm sorry, twelve team playoff. You don't want to be that thirteenth team. James Franklin cannot afford to be that thirteenth team. Um, we see this in the NFL. It's what have you done for me lately, right? Um, in college football, it's tough to sustain winning. Uh, in a 12-team playoff, are, are Penn State fans going to – how are they going to evaluate the job that James Franklin does? Um, is it that he makes it to the playoff now that it's expanded? Because he's been in that 6-10 to 10 range year after year after year after year. So how do you how do you evaluate that? What do you do there? And it'll be interesting to see kind of how that how that all works out. Um, I'm very excited at the uh, at the potential of a playoff game at Beaver Stadium in December. I think that would be really awesome. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes as well, uh, and, and see who goes where, what goes, what happens there. But again, this is this is the college football world that we live in, um, and we get to see what happens here. Come first first things first in the
1: spring. Yeah, and to get the home game in Beaver Stadium, you have to be teams five through eight. Um, Really an 11-team playoff because the 12th team is the group of five auto-bid, which I I think is rather controversial. We'll probably talk about that later in the offseason. Um, but that means a Big Ten championship game ap- appearance, right? Because there's no more divisions this year. It's going to be the top two teams. And if you want to be a five through eight, you have to at least make it to your conference championship game. I, I think the four best power five schools are going to be the auto bids and the, um, and the buys. And you have to be the third best power five, not power five conference championship loser to be a five through eight seed. So it's big 10 championship game bust. It seems like, but that's probably for later in the, in the off season before we start talking, talk about hypotheticals.
0: We definitely have plenty of time this off season to talk a little bit more about that and how that looks and there's still a lot more to play out as the season continues to wage on, uh, as the NFL wraps up. We have to I have to give a shout out. Um, I work uh, on Monday. I went into a buddy of mine's classroom. He's a Green Bay Packers fan, and said there are, there are two things that are going to happen this weekend. Either Sean Clifford gets in and it's a great situation, and Jordan Love absolutely went through the roof against the Cowboys, which is what I think was think is going to happen, or Jordan Love gets hurt and the Cowboys thump the Packers. Well, it was the former, not the latter. And, well, Sean Clifford got some playing time in the playoffs, which is more than Pitt friend Kenny Pickett and a lot of other guys can say about themselves. So put that in your Sean Clifford bingo card. Playoff appearance in a game,
1: check. And a Penn State player is guaranteed to win the Super Bowl this year. Each team remaining has a Penn State former Penn State football player on their roster. So,
0: and it seems that Ross Travis, former Penn State basketball player, is in Taylor Swift's inner circle. Every time they show them, show her in a press box or in a, in the luxury suite, Ross Travis is not very far behind, having played his football playing football for Kansas City. So there you have it, Penn State, Taylor Swift, Jim Harbaugh. What an episode, Kevin.
1: We did it. How many more off-season podcasts do we have? <laughs> uh,
0: the limit I'm ready for more.
1: Is. I'm ready for more football.
0: Football, football, football. It's all basketball season too. Penn State basketball doing their thing. It'll be interesting to see how they continue to develop. Because college basketball is, is not as bad as college football, but it is very, very close. Penn Kevin, State- any parting shots?
1: No parting shots, but Penn State basketball against Wisconsin's tipping off in a few minutes. Their second top ten opponent in a row. After getting thumped by Purdue this weekend, so speaking we'll of that, st- I'm
0: glad you mentioned that you, they did get thumped, and I I knew that. I mean, they played very well against Northwestern, gave it up late, and then he, Purdue lost, and you kind of knew they were going to be out for blood. And Zach Evie did Zach Evie things, but what I love about Mike Rhodes, he's doing, he's building the program the right way. Um, it's not an easy thing to do in, in this day and age, but this is, he's building the program from the ground up. Um, and, and he knows he's going to be there for a long time, which is the hope clearly, but you know, all students that got it, got to, or that went to the game got a free ticket. If you give things away for free, you're going to have a great, a great environment, um, more so than not, but get them in the door and keep them there. And that's what Penn state basketball needs. They need the fan support. The BJC is not a fun place to play, but when it is packed, it is an incredible environment. Um, You see it more for wrestling, but when the BJC is rocking, man, there are some good things that happen there, and it's a special place to play, despite it not being built for basketball.
1: And and props to the students for showing up for that Northwestern game. Uh, that, That BJC looked packed for that one, so props to them for showing up for that. Even if you get free tickets, it's It's still a chore to get to BJC from West Campus or wherever they may be staying. Exactly.
0: But for Kevin Quigley, this has been Jared Prugar on the Lashing Out podcast. We will talk to you again next week.